Good morning, everyone. I'm Mark, and uh, we are continuing our journey in nuclear family, a source of power or destruction. Just to let you guys know, on Friday, um, I, I cracked, or not cracked, I actually broke off like 25% of a crown, uh, my rear molar. And when I put my finger, back, my thumb back there to see what happened, because I wasn't really sure, uh, my thumb came out all bloody because it was so sharp, it, it, uh, it, cut my, it cut my thumb. So for the past couple of days, every time I, I speak, uh, my tongue goes up against that really sharp tooth. And uh, so my tongue has become swollen and everything. So if I sound drunk this morning, <laughs> just let me assure you, I, I quit drinking last night and I'm stone cold sober. So uh, <laughs> no, we're all, we're all good. So, uh, so hey, if you open up your Bibles quickly uh, into Genesis uh, chapter 1, we're continuing this journey and we're looking at uh, uh, really women today, but uh, I really didn't land where I, I thought we were, we were going to land today, and, but I think it's, it's really good. I really feel uh, that, that God gave me some uh, new and unique insight, at least for me, and, and hopefully it'll give us a better uh, idea of what what it looks like to to be you know a biblical family and how to interact with one another. So Genesis uh, actually gives us two accounts of of creation, and in my my view, the first one is kind of like a thirty thousand uh, foot view of creation, and then then the second account is actually the same account, just just uh, a little more detailed. So if you open up your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1 in verse 26, I want to start there and kind of get in this idea of, of man and, and more specifically woman uh, in Scripture. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. Many, many people often uh, stumble over this and they're like, what, what's, this? what's this us thing? Well, this us thing is, you know, God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and, and the Holy Spirit. God is a relational God. God. God is a God of relationship. They will reign over, they, woman and man, will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. Verse 27, so God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. Then God blessed them. They were blessed. That's important for today. They blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and all the animals that scurry across the ground. So here we have, right off the beginning, that, that, that God created humankind in his image, male and female, reflecting all the power and majesty of the creator of the universe, and told them to multiply and bring dominion over the earth. From Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 28, now we got to just look at this. 
real specifically. Don't bring in any of your, you know, your previous kind of knowledge or anything, but looking at Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 through 28, there's no suggestion of inferiority of a female. There's no suggestion of submission, and there is uh, no suggestion of dominance. Rather, the picture is what? Of unity, right? Of, of a partnership. Okay, let's continue on. Flip to Genesis chapter 2 in verse 20. And this is the second portrayal. He gave the names to all the livestock and all the birds in the sky and the wild animals. But still there was no helper. Remember we talked about that, that word helper is another word that's used for God in other places. Just right for him. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord God took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from that rib, and he brought her to the man. In verse 23, at last, the man exclaimed, this one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. She will be called, what's her name? Woman. Put that in your mind. And she will be called woman because she was taken from a man. In Genesis chapter 2, Baal and, and female, at this, you know, at this point, there seems to be a progression, right? If you look at the whole Genesis account in, in chapter 2, God's creating people, and it, or excuse me, um, creation. And he really goes from uh, the least complex to the most complex, and, and if you follow that progression, you could come to say, okay, you know, water and plants and then animals and, and then man, you know, who's complex. But then, you know, the woman who, you know, is incredibly complex, which, you know, and, and all that. So uh, doing so, you would probably end up, you know, with some theological wackiness. But, so, but that is one way to look at it. Let me suggest a different way to look at it, though. And uh, in some, uh, Semitic thought, in Jewish thought, the idea that the name giver is actually the one who has authority. So here we have uh, in, in this idea that the man is naming his wife as an act of lordship. But it's very interesting what he calls her. What does the man call the woman? Woman. The man calls, male calls the female. He calls her woman. And, and really, this name is a, is a name given in uh, 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 equality. It's, it's equal to the name man and woman. It's, it's two sides to the same Coin. And paradoxically, the, 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 the really the hierarchy here is equality, is this perfect balance. And really, if we, you know, take a step back and we look at Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2, it reveals an ideal, right, of a blessed world where everything is in harmony, that, that humankind is in perfect harmony with God. That, that man and woman 
are in perfect harmony with one another. And that humankind is in perfect harmony with the rest of creation. This is what's known as paradise. This is what's talking about the ideal state and what eventually we pray that we will get back to. There was in this de- delicate balance. And many scholars believe that, that the Mahak David, the, 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 the star of David, is, is, represents this perfect balance. Many, many scholars believe that the Mahak David, which is the, the Hebrew for uh, the star of David, was, was uh, taken from uh, an even older, more ancient symbol of, of uh, Jewish thought, and that's the Kabbalah. Now, some of you might be going like, whoa, the Kabbalah, you know, hold on there, pilgrim. You know, because you may, you may be like looking at that going, isn't that, you know, like kind of a freaky, you know, uh, Madonna cult or something? Yes, like many ancient images, uh, uh, some people have taken, taken that image and, and taken it to something that it never was intended to mean. But if you go back, you know, it's one of the oldest uh, images in antiquity that, that, that is connected with the interpretation of Scripture. Many human scholars, Hebrew scholars, not all, by any stretch of the imagination, but many believe that the star of David came out of the Kabbalah. So basically, with that line of thinking, this is the very image of equality between man and woman, the very image of relational perfection, the very image of God. And here we have the, the inverted triangle, and this symbolizes the man with the wide shoulders and the narrow hips. Now, you know where I'm going with this, but I did not come up with this, all right? I distanced myself. I'm just, this is, you know, some Hebrew scholar, you know, he's already dead, ladies, so you can't. The wider hips and the narrower. Now, you know, again, this is not all women, and this is not all men, but this is, this is the, the image here, and what, what this is, is trying to portray is the perfect union between man and woman and being created in God's image, and this is actually, for, for many, the very image of God, perfect harm, relational harmony. Okay, flip your Bibles to Genesis chapter 3. It wasn't until Genesis chapter 3 that this ideal balance was disrupted uh, by the, the man and the woman disobedience by elevating their own selfish ambitions. They wanted to be as knowledgeable as God, right? They ate from the tree of, of the knowledge of good and evil. Okay, so this ushered in relational brokenness. That's the great original sin. And because of that, that ushered in a time um, of post-blessing. It ushered in a time of curse. And in Genesis chapter 3, God tells of the, of, of the consequences, the curse of this, of this relational uh, brokenness that uh, the woman and the man ushered in because of their uh, their desire to have the same knowledge of good and evil as God. 
Now, I'm not going to read the whole curse, but I did want to read specific parts that has to do with uh, men and women. Then he, God, said to the woman, I will sharpen the pain of your pregnancy, and in pain you will give birth. And then check out this next part. And you will desire to control your husband, he, but he will rule over you. This is part of the curse. When they were living in the blessing, they were as one. They were in perfect relational harmony. But the curse, which we live in the midst of the curse now, is this idea that a woman will desire to control her husband. And the man will try to rule over her. How's that working out? Right? But that's, what, that's how cursed people interact. But check this out. Go to verse 20. And then the man, Adam, first time it's, he's referred to as Adam, named his wife Eve. This is their cursed names. Before it was man and woman. That was their blessed names Two sides of one coin that they were in perfect harmony, the very image of God. Post-blessing, the curse brings in their names, Adam and Eve. And he goes on, because she would be the mother who all lived. So the Lord God banished them from the Garden of Eden to the east of the Garden of Eden. So the curse didn't only break the relationship between creation and creator. And it did not only break the relationship between humankind and nature, but it also ushered in a curse between man and woman, between Adam and Eve. And many books have been based in this ideal and, and, and the, trying to bridge the gap between man and woman. And, you know, there's popular books like Men Are From Mars and Women Are From Venus, right? But let me tell you, men are not from Mars and women are not from Venus. But they are both from a place east of Eden. You guys watch this video with me? Uh, one of my favorites is Queen Amygdala from mm -hmm. Star Wars. Uh, She's just very courageous and compassionate towards her people, but at the same time really capable and intelligent. And I just really admire her ability to lead and uh, be a leader amongst all these men and still be very capable. Someone who is free and um, just fully accepting of who God has made her and um, just free to express that no matter what role that she's in, that she is able to not let that role define who she is, um, but influence all those things with who God has made her to be. When I think of the ideal wife, I think of the ideal partner because when you're married, it's not you working alone. The marriage is you coming together with a significant other um, and it's just about you know working together getting through life together 
you know, you want to be a part of your kids' lives. You don't want to just watch their life go by, but, you know, you want to be a part of it and share that with them. There are ups and the downs, and they need to know that there's somebody cheering for them or, you know, reaching out a hand to comfort them when they're hurting. So what standard do you use to see if you measure up as a woman or a wife or a mother? I think the fruit of the Spirit is a really good way just to see um, how the Holy Spirit is working in your life. If you're um, seeing love and faithfulness and goodness and gentleness and just each of those things. I know for me, um, I think of women in my church community like um, Lindsay Dernberger, you know, just the compassion and the love and care that she has for everybody around her, whether it's somebody that she met two days ago or somebody that she met 20 years ago. It's just things, things like that. Like she's just the ideal like role model of a woman for me. I love the women of the Bible. I just feel like no matter what stage of life you're in, you might be married, you might be single, you might be grandma, but um, whatever it is, there's someone in there that God has used. You know, each one had their own sphere of influence. Um, I think of Ruth. I I think of Esther. Um, I've often felt like I've been in an Esther-like position where God has called me out to, you know, be public and it's it's not an easy place and yet whatever god calls us to he enables us to do and so i think there's a a great amount of strength and courage and um just this commitment to follow the lord and that's the kind of woman that i'd like to be the true test for me um is whether or not i feel peace because uh so often i mean even really godly women um that the lord has put in my life um Looking at them as an example is great, but sometimes I feel like I could never measure up to who they are. And just that constant striving, either just as a female or a wife or a mother, um, gives me an unsettled feeling in my spirit. And I know if I go to sleep and just feel that sense of peace from the Holy Spirit that um, I have to be following what Lord, the Lord has called me to do. Great stuff, just uh, women in our community just talking about what it means to, to be a biblical woman. So what do we do? I mean, that's really where we come. We, we, we see what it, what it looks like for, for a man and woman to be in a blessed world, but we don't live uh, in, in that perfection anymore. We live in the post-blessing. We live, we live under the curse. Well, part of that curse, which is uh, that, that God gave, was uh, that he said there was going to be one who would come and crush this curse. And that foretold of Jesus Christ and ushered in the new covenant. And, and the New Testament is, is the story of God and his interaction with his creation under that new covenant. And a lot of that is uh, just specific letters as people tried to figure out how do we as, as, as redeemed people live in the blessing but still in the midst of a world that is, that is experiencing the curse. And past couple of weeks, we've gone back and looked at Ephesians chapter 5, and we're going to do that again. So you might want to flip over uh, to Ephesians chapter 5. And what the Apostle Paul is trying to do when he's writing the, the letter to the church in Ephesus is trying to remind them 
how blessed people live in a cursed world. He's, he's trying to promote the idea of, of what it looked like for the man and woman to, to be in perfect balance with one another. So now with our newfound understanding from Genesis 1, 2, and 3, I want to reapproach and come back into Ephesians chapter 5 and see if that new knowledge will help us understand how to interact as blessed women and men. Again, verse 21, Paul writes, And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So he's bringing it all back around here again and saying, mutually submitted to one another as an act of worship to our Creator in heaven. And then he goes on, he says, For wives, this means to submit to your husbands as to the Lord. This, this kind of this idea of, of submission, mutually submitted, and each one submitting as if they are submitting to their Creator. For hus- the husband is the head of his wife, as the Christ is the head of the church. The church exists because we exist in a cursed world. That, that the perfect harmony was gone, and that's why Jesus came to bring the opportunity for us to experience the blessing. As the church submits to Christ, so wives, you submit, should submit to your husbands in everything. Okay, verse 25. For husbands, this means love your wife. What is love? Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Just as Christ loved the church, jump to 28. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love to himself. How is this possible? Because they are one. No one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church. And we are members of his body. And then look at verse 31. This is so cool, okay? This is so cool. Then Paul brings us back to the blessing as told in Genesis chapter 2 in verse 24. And he says, as the scriptures say, A man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. And the two are united into one. The perfect image of God. Perfect relational harmony. Not Adam and Eve, but woman and in man, living the blessing in mutual submission to one another. So, really what Ephesians chapter 5 is, is talking about is how do blessed people live in this cursed world? And the reality is that the struggle for for dominance and the struggle struggle for control and rule and who's in charge, that is what cursed people talk about. People of the blessing, people of the new covenant, people who've been redeemed by Christ and their marriages have been redeemed by the blood of Christ have a different conversation. 
The different conversation is how do we submit to one another as in reverence to the Lord? How do we love one another? How do we honor one another? These are the questions that people who are blessed ask each other. So what does an ideal, you know, woman, wife, mother look like? Honestly, I think it looks exactly like an ideal man, husband, father. What we talked about last week. An ideal woman, wife, mother is fully devoted is a fully devoted follower of Christ. In person, teaching indeed. Fully submitted. Same as the male. A woman is mutually submitted to her husband as in reverence for Christ and is part of, of the atom of revolving around Christ. Remember last week we talked about Christ is the center of our families. And a wife revolves around Christ mutually submitting at times with her husband who mutually submits to her. And as we'll talk about next week, as the child submits <laughs> to the parents. That's a tall order, but we'll get there. But this is the picture of not only a biblical woman, but a biblical man or a biblical family. Mutually submitting to one another as fully devoted followers of Christ and refusing to be sucked into the curse, but hold on to the blessing that we can live and the blessing that is made possible by the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ. Will you guys pray with me? Dear Lord, I just, um, I know there's so much pain and brokenness. And I know that there's no doubt in anybody's mind here that we live in the curse. But the good news is you came so we can be people of the blessing. That we don't have to live a cursed life of, of a dominant struggle. Who's going to rule who? But we live a blessed life where we mutually submit to one another out of reverence for you. That it's a race to service and love and not who has the upper hand or who has the power. God, I just pray that we will be a people of the blessing and that we can be beacons of hope to the world that lives under this curse. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow.